Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and after a weird 2020, 2021 is turning out to be a pretty great year for film releases. And that's very great timing for Indiana's Heartland International Film Festival, which celebrates its 30th edition this week. In the conversation you're about to hear with artistic director Greg Sorvig, he talks about how he and his team created a festival lineup with some of the most anticipated films of this year, including Spencer, starring Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, King Richard, with Will Smith as the father of tennis pros Venus and Serena Williams, Kenneth Braun as Belfast, and Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, to name just a few of the selections. I think there's a point during this conversation when you can hear me suddenly realize just how many very promising films are coming out very soon. Greg and I also talk about the festival's incredible perseverance and constant reinvention over the last 30 years. For example, when it couldn't do a traditional red carpet last year because of, you know, Heartland did a drive through red carpet that was the envy of the festival circuit. Heartland also runs the Academy Award qualifying Indie Shorts International Film Festival, which gets a lot of love in the upcoming issue of Movie Maker Magazine coming out this month. Tickets for the Heartland International Film Festival are on sale now. It runs from Thursday, October 7th through Sunday, October 17th, and you can learn more at heartlandfilm.org. Once again, I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker, and now here's my conversation with Heartland Artistic Director Greg Sorvig. Greg Sorvig, welcome to Movie Maker. It is such a pleasure to get to talk to you. I'm a huge admirer of Heartland. It perpetually comes up on our list of 50 film festivals worth the entry fee. Hugely popular festival. Um, the first thing I should probably ask you, given recent events, is um, what time zone is Indianapolis in? Time zone, we are in the Eastern time zone. Um, we have, you know, flirted with daylight saving time over the years. We've done all this stuff, gone back and forth. Uh, it depends on the governor at the time, but yeah, I think we are mostly on Eastern time now. <laughs> yeah, I ask because we were supposed to do this an hour ago, but I'm on the East Coast and I mixed up the times because I remember driving through Indiana and the clock changing a few years ago. And um, yeah, I went to LA yesterday or I came back from LA yesterday. And so I was a little mixed up, but that's nothing compared to you because you have been all over the world lately programming films, right? Yeah. And again, it, it, we're still in a pandemic, so I'm lucky to know what day it is. So I think uh, one hour does not, you know, phase me at all. So glad to talk. <laughs> but you went to Telluride, you went to Toronto. Where else have you Yeah, been? so I, I did. So usually we go to Toronto and we've had great success in recent years of connecting with studios or studio reps saying we're going to be there. And really putting the pressure on films, you know, not like we just don't want to have your film, but we really believe in this film. We really want to see it, get eyes on it, hopefully bring it to Indianapolis. So we really developed kind of as an Oscar stop within the Midwest. So I think almost we, we've our lineup, especially this year, try to position ourselves kind of like Hamptons, Mill Valley, Chicago yeah. of, you know, the greater Midwest. And I think we've really grown that reputation, but I had never been to Telluride and, um, you know, we didn't know what was happening this year. And again, with the travel back and forth through Canada, which I think is how the, the festival, you know, wasn't as crazily attended <laughs> in Toronto this year from what I saw. Um, thought, hey, let's take a flyer on a wait list pass for Telluride. Got it. And we made plans to go. Uh, first time we had Airbnb that was not, um, that over-delivered, that did not, <laughs> it was not awful. So again, everything was great in Telluride. But um yeah, it was an amazing fest. I might dare to say, like, just one of my favorites now. I've been, you know, all over the world, like you said, 
but it's like a regional film fest feeling with huge you know oscar contenders launching it's you know walk down the street um there's the the malton family there's morgan neville again you know it just it's this really is almost like the cheers of film festivals walking down this beautiful street with the banner and the, the mountains in the background. Um, but walking uphill, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a fairly average sized man, but uh, I got winded even walking slightly uphill. <laughs> so you got to be careful. Well, Indianapolis is a perfect grid system and is relatively flat. So traveling there is easier than pretty much anywhere in the world. Right. I mean, you know, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'm flying over it. Um, it has just like the coolest layout of any city. Like it, it and Phoenix are kind of like this perfect, perfectly designed cities. And I don't know, I need to, I need to spend more time there is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've lived, you know, I'm, I'm in my late thirties now, but I grew up moving all around the United States, um, went to high school in Alabama, Connecticut, and then moved to Indiana I've been all over, but I think Indianapolis is a great big little city, if you will. I mean, there's really a lot to do. Uh, traffic is not, you know, too crazy compared to other places I've lived at, too. So, I mean, it's a great place not only to, you know, have a film festival, but raise a family. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, too. So it's, I, I you know, I've been around a lot. Um, and, I, yeah, I love the city. Glad to be here. Oh, man, that's great. Congratulations on the kids. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We're, we're surviving, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, you know, once in a, you know, once in a, a millennium uh, pandemic or a hundred years or whatever, not millennium. Um, and we have small kids, you know, so that timing was not great, but we, yeah, we love the kids. We're glad uh, the young, oldest is in kindergarten now. So it, it's working out, but thank you very much. You know, I was surprised you're still programming right up to tell you right in Toronto, which are both in September. Um, you're in October. You're really programming up to the last second. It sounds like. Yeah, and I think because again, in years past, we used to be very, you know, lucky. We used to actually leave Toronto, not having it actually be done, mm-hmm. and announcing films like the day of our announcement party. Usually, we have an in-person event where we announce the lineup up at that point. You know, we have guidebook deadlines. There's all these things too that usually don't coincide with studios um, knowing what their plans are going to be too. But this year was just a magic year. It's our 30th anniversary, my 10th year with the festival, fifth year as a programmer. And just everything aligned perfectly. Um, I think there are a lot of things that I saw going to Telluride ahead of Telluride, which has not happened in years past. So I think it's just developing great key contacts and trust with studios ahead of time. And then going uh, to Telluride and stuff too, to see some of the films I wasn't able to see initially. Obviously they get to see everything, but yeah, we did that too. And we have TBA slots to be announced so we can add things last minute. But this year we were just extremely fortunate where a lot of the huge titles were able to lock in super early. You crushed it in programming this year. I mean, you've got King Richard, which people are dying to see the Will Smith movie about Venus and Serena Williams' father. You've got the French Dispatch, incredible. You've got, I I read yesterday that Belfast is now the best picture favorite um, coming in from Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, yeah, won the people's choice, yeah. You just got That's an it. astonishing lineup. Can you can you list some of the other films you're really excited about? Oh God, Spencer. yeah. So I, I, usually, again, I would say for a lot of regional film fests, you know, usually there's opening night, closing night, maybe a centerpiece, and then there's all these kind of different events. And so usually we're hoping to get a nice slate out of that. So we have, so we now can like, call those event films. We have 14 event films, which is nuts. Plus, you know, just this embarrassment of riches with all these additional studio films as well too. 
but yeah, let's see if we can test my memory. Memory, but we are one of the first films we locked in. We just loved it. It was Julia from Sony Pictures Classics, Betsy West and Julie Cohen on one of their follow-ups to um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg film that was nominated. So that's our opening night film. We wanted to set the tone as well. We're working with Bleecker Street showing Mass, which was a great Sundance hit. Again, it's a hard-hitting film, but um, we loved it. It's going to release New York and LA um, the same weekend our festival opens. But, you know, we're in Indiana, so we get to play it, you know, to an Indiana crowd before it hits wide. Uh, phenomenal performances there. Uh, Spencer is another huge one uh, we're playing as well with Kristen Stewart. Um, that I saw the film at Telluride, and it had a lot of buzz out of Venice, but it even it's one of those rare films that exceeded my expectations, even after hearing. You know, it feels like every film is like, hey, an 18 minutes standing O at Venice, like <laughs> in any film they play. Um, but it was great. It was uh, it surprised me. Kristen Stewart was uh, was phenomenal, even more than I, you know I expected to. So we're really excited to play that. And I even said, even it was of- like Black Swan. Yeah, even has a little bit like elements of Black Swan and The Shining there. And that's what they even they're talking about marketing. Like it's 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 a fable. It's a ghost story. It's it's not this take. You're not watching Kristen Stewart for 90 minutes walking around doing a Diana impression. You are in this pivotal moment at Christmas um, back in 1991, a fight or flight situation. I mean, you are in this moment um, where she has obviously had enough. What is she going to do? And um, yeah, there are just some some key moments in the film. Um, yeah, where you go into the psyche of Princess Diana um, in the film, and it's just really, really well done. So it sounds, I, I don't mean to make it sound menacing in that regard, but it does have a very hopeful ending as well, even though people don't look back at Princess Diana and think super hopeful. But yeah, Spencer is phenomenal and got to meet Kristen Stewart and Pablo Lorraine at, um, at Telluride, and they were just phenomenal. And that's the thing too, like our reputation of Heartland, you know, like, so we care about the films. I think we were some of the first, I don't want to say real human beings, but we gave them, you know, like real feedback. And I think they appreciated that, you know, cause I think it can be the typical dog and pony show at a big industry fest and just put stuff out. And Kristen Stewart shared that she loved um, working with the kids. Those were her favorite scenes. So I think they really appreciated like, you know, some real uh, feedback as well, which is really cool. But yeah, moving on. So with Spencer, we're very lucky to get that. Um, and Neon is just great to work with. And then additionally, uh, the next night we're going to be playing Come On, Come On from A24, the new Mike Mills film. And that's a film that uh, I think just surprised us. You know, you know, I'm the main movie guy, if you will, on staff, but we have other people, you know, most film festivals are nonprofits. Not everybody's a huge cinephile, loves movies. Yeah. And again, you're like, hey, do you want to watch this uh, new black and white film from A24? Maybe not everybody on staff is going to be up for that. But we watched and everybody loved it. You can tell when the lights went up, everyone had the same, um, you know, inspired experience from seeing the film. Uh, Woody Norman is a revelation, the young star in the film who plays Joaquin Phoenix's nephew. And he's just great. So we love the film and we're really excited to bring that um, as one of our event titles as well. So that's going to be really, really exciting. And then... um, Additionally, we're bringing Bergman Island from IFC Films as one of our event films as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really surprising this year that a lot of films played can and they are available for festivals. Usually it does not work that way. Usually yeah. the U.S. distribution uh, landscape is, is very muddled until maybe in the fall or the next year. So a lot of film festivals, you know, October, it's a great launching ground uh, for Oscar season, but a lot of the can titles 
don't make it unless you have like a parasite or something like that too. So I'll give credit to the team at IFC films who we love too, but they have, they, they landed some great titles um, out of, out of can. And we have some of those too. We also are, you know, playing cow as well, um, which is a really great beer Doc. but yeah, moving forward with that. And then we have flea from neon, which again, you know, made a lot of waves out of uh, Sundance. And then I think just past week, it was announced as one of the three films shortlisted for the, the, the Danish entry for the Oscars. Um, and that's just a beautiful film um, as well, too. And I think I hadn't, I hadn't seen that yet. Um, then I saw the screener and it is, it's a special movie. And there's like, I, I call it cinematic moments when I'm a programmer watching a film. And it might sound cheesy and cliche, but is there a moment that almost you get this tingly feeling, you forget what you're doing, the outside world disappears and you are excited to share it with an audience. So like, I need to watch this movie again. I need to watch the scene again. I can't wait. I just love this movie. But those are the things that are kind of like those indicators for me. And this movie has a handful of those moments. Yeah, I, I think about Annette this year and also the card counter. There's a moment where they go and visit this sort of light up um, like garden area that it's way more beautiful than it needs to be for this mm -hmm. part. And I just love those moments. And Annette is full of them too. And it, the movies that you're talking about are full of them. Um, I know yeah. exactly what you mean. It's just the difference between watching things on Netflix and watching things on a big screen where you're just overtaken. Yeah, and that's the beauty of this year too. I mean, last year we played films like in a small handful of drive-in screenings. But now this year, I know everything we're playing at least once in person. So I know that there's going to be an audience reaction. Yeah. And, and even if there's things I saw early, I still went to some Telluride in-person screenings to kind of feel the beats and feel out the audience. I'm really glad I did that too. Um, yeah, so that's, that's really neat. Um, and then moving on, I won't keep going on and on. But we are playing the the humans with A24 as yeah. well, which uh, premiered at, at Toronto, um, and you know based on a um, on a play. And then it's um, the same director is doing the screen adaptation too. So it's a really neat film with just a um, really great cast too. And a lot of these roles from if you think you know a lot of these actors like you know Amy Schumer, Stephen Young, obviously he gave us you know flashes from Minari last year too. But yeah. Um, little bit different from things they've done in the past and it's just a really engrossing drama um that's like is it is it almost a horror film is it not is it the building is it so it's just kind of a great coming out of a pandemic uh going back to theaters type movie which is really cool too and then yeah we're working with um netflix as well really excited that they're doing the festival circuit again this year too but we're playing the hand of god um in addition to the power of the dog and both of those films are phenomenal. And it was really neat, especially after Venice, where I think the Hand of God um, got the Silver Lion and then Jane Campion won the Director Award too. So it's yeah. great when you love the films anyway, you have them secured and then they just get these other huge accolades as well too. Um, so that's yeah. really neat. But the power of the dog, seeing that with an audience at, at Telluride was, was phenomenal. I think that uh, the movie is going to do exceptionally well. And I, it's definitely one of my favorites of the year. And we're going to, so glad to be, you know, locking that into. Well, let me ask for the people who are salivating hearing these. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have to be in Indianapolis to see these screenings or is this a thing where you can watch them virtually through the festival or is it different for different films? Yeah. So I think for the, for their big uh, studio event hits and special presentations. So we have about, um, you know, 140 some total films, including our winning shorts from Indie Shorts last July. 
the big studio films will be in person only in Indianapolis and tickets are on sale now. Um, the official selections, uh, a lot of the films that are up for the, you know, the, the grand prizes um, as well, they are available, most of them online. We want to be very flexible filmmakers this year too. So we still have over 70 films that you can watch online uh, throughout the festival too, kind of on, on, in, in on-demand capacity through the festival. And we, we want to respect filmmakers. There's still a cap, you know, there's uh, DRM protections and everything else too. Yeah. But yeah, so the big, the big hits. Um, and again, that's, that was the thing too. I mean, long, you know, we didn't know how people would react going back in person. Yeah. Um, doing a shorts festival in July pre-Delta variant was very promising, but then the Delta variant came. And luckily now I think, you know, people are used to, to masking up and going back to the theaters, especially within Indiana. So we're really excited for that too. But yeah, ticket sales have been phenomenal and we are seeing that people are excited to go back too. But to round out too, especially King Richard, like you said, we are playing that with Warner Brothers as our anniversary gala event screening. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a film that, you know, I, it, it, it's interesting. It's really neat to see. I think it, you know, it it, it premiered at, at Telluride. It didn't go to TIFF. I believe it's playing Chicago. So we're in a small handful of f- festivals to premiere uh, this film. I guess especially in Indiana and. Yeah. Um, so we're really fortunate but again we worked with Warner Brothers they're great to work with what's a film that looks back honors 30 years of Heartland that you know is a great celebratory film and this movie does it um, it's just it's just fantastic so we're really excited um, to have that and we have the mu- uh, music event film Jagged the Alison oh, yeah. film about Alanis Morissette which has been in controversy a little bit <laughs> in the last few weeks as well too but um, but yeah, Allison is a past winner of ours. Uh, she's a great documentarian, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, is, is Allison Clayman doing a QA with you? Allison, she's gonna be on a shoot, but one of the producers of the film uh, will be here. So yeah, that, we'll was, have... that was a really interesting controversy where Alanis Morissette objected to her portrayal in the film despite taking part in the interviews. And the part that's controversial about her being abused when she was 15 is such a small section of the film. I was sort of surprised it became, I mean, I understand why it became a big news story, but I was yeah. surprised that Alanis Morissette objected to kind of the whole movie based on that because it was such a small section. So it'll be interesting what people what people think. I thought it was very, yeah. very pro Alanis Morissette, um, very pro Alanis Morissette. So I was- Yeah, it's a, it's a very strong film. I know, you know, Allison, I mean, you know, she spent, um, a lot of time with you know different subjects and stuff too and she has a level of trust even with you know um people who maybe the public don't trust <laughs> so you know um but i know you know the, the film was a great celebration so it was interesting to see that that feedback right away too but yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to go through too but yeah we are um playing jagged and the final day of the festival we have um, the electrical life of louis wayne with amazon so it's a double cumberbatch year i think uh, it's neat to <laughs> To kind of see that you have this brooding performances fill in the power of the dog and then you have this kind of uh tragic yet whimsical life story of louis wayne um in this film from amazon with claire foy so yeah that's kind of the the full gamut of the event films but you know we um, nat geo has another great year of docs including um the people's choice doc winner um the rescue um yeah um so yeah we're really excited to have that too and but it's again it's an embarrassment of riches we have just have so many films and usually the big event films get you know the the headlines 
but it's truly a great year. Um, I think I can't remember a year from the studio side of loving so many films um, and going into award season, hopeful just by what's out there. And I think the fact that we get to play them, I know I've been pinching myself a lot. Yeah, I'm really hard pressed to think of a local festival. Uh, let me say that again. I'm really hard pressed to think of a regional festival in the last few years that has had a lineup this strong, um, you know, outside of Toronto, outside of, you know, Sundance to see this many big ticket films, honestly, it's, it's astonishing. You guys really, really crushed it and did it. You must be exhausted, but you did an amazing job. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that was my ultimate goal to be around, you know, uh, being here for a decade with Heartland. I started with marketing, we rebranded, and then it's really, it's just, this is just a culmination of that. And I think it is the trust with the studios. It's, it's great when you, you know, the studios, you develop relationships and they believe in you um, and you have the great rapport. But I think, yeah, our audience continues to grow, even though we've been around three decades now. Um, we are already seeing people coming out of the woodwork, first time ticket buyers as well. So that's again, you know, we continue to grow. We continue to excite people who are around from year one. Um, so yeah, we're very fortunate. And hopefully this is just a continuation from here on out um, with this crazy lineup. And you did 29 drive-in screenings last year. You're doing many more this year for people who aren't comfortable going into a theater? Yeah, I think we're leaning more so on um, virtual this year for people who aren't um, you know, comfortable going into a theater. Well, the funny thing is, just to be quite honest, I think that the drive-in, you know, there's not that many drive-ins um, and especially the ones here um, in Indianapolis, they're still booked, you know, they're, they're booked crazy. So I think we just got fortunate last year, but they have so much demand with other, other content coming out um, that we, we looked at that a little bit, but we have um, one outdoor screening where we um, actually have an LED screen brought in on a, a truck in. And so we play outdoors. We're going to do a double feature. Uh, we have a, uh, one of our films that's going to be in our Indiana spotlight competition with local ties. And we're also playing uh, Harvey, the classic Jimmy Stewart film. So that'll be a fun outdoor screening too. And yeah, I mean, that, the other big thing is that I think, you know, we have a great track record for hospitality, treating filmmakers right. When studios have worked with us, you know, we have, you know, uh, do a great job with talent or just presenting the film as well. But, you know, cash prizes have also been great. You know, we've had over <laughs> $3.5 million to filmmakers since 92. This year we're getting $60,000 as well. And with that, we have an award called the Jimmy Stewart Legacy Award. So we're the only festival in the entire world to be associated with the Stewart family um, to give an honor, um, a, an honorarium um, in memory of the late, great Jimmy Stewart, too. So we've been doing that for years, too, and we're really glad to be working with their team. So this year we're bringing back, we're playing Rope, we're playing Harvey. So awesome. we're playing a couple of throwbacks as well. Okay, I love Jimmy Stewart, but I have a question about this. Yeah. Because I used to live in Western Pennsylvania. He's from Indiana, Pennsylvania. Indiana, Pennsylvania. Not yeah. From Indiana, right? Yeah. Uh, not, yeah, not Indiana. So again, it's, it's kind of funny how that works out. So um, one of my first jobs I actually interned at Disney. I was down in Florida at the great. Oh, um, sorry. Can we, um, there was a little bit of feedback right there. Can you start over about working at Disney? Yeah. So the funny thing with Indiana, Pennsylvania, this kind of takes me back. I actually started uh, my career interning with Disney in Florida. So I worked at the great movie ride, rest in peace, um, 23 minute tram ride through the movies at uh, Disney's Hollywood studios. But I would have 
um, Indiana University because that's where I went to college on my name tag. And people from Pennsylvania would always ask. And then they almost like, get confused and get excited. They're like, no, no. And I, that was the first time I heard about that too. But yeah, Jimmy Stewart is from Indiana, Pennsylvania. So it's neat and um, even more confusing to people who have that connection. <laughs> so why <laughs> why do you honor Jimmy Stewart? Why not Kurt Vonnegut or any of the other great people from Indiana? Yeah. Well, the neat thing, a lot of it is relationships. And we have a board member named Greg Paul. And he um, was with Castle Rock Entertainment over the years, too. And he, um, and he was um, the legal representative for Jimmy Stewart in his later years. Oh. So he still works with the family. And um, so anytime, you know, there's like a, a Mondo print or, you know, something with a Jimmy Stewart film, he works with the family to give the stamp of approval on that, too. So I think that was a, that was a neat thing. You know, we've developed more awards over the years, too. We used to have our student films tied to a Jimmy Stewart um, award, but then we thought, hey, let's do a feature film that embodies his legacy because he was, you know, it's just the triumph of the human spirit, the humble vulnerability, the man that he saw for the most part on screen was also off screen. You know, a lot of people during World War II were selling war bonds or doing things, you know, to support it. He was a bomber pilot and he didn't really talk about it. He wasn't flashy with that too. So embodying some of those, I guess, uh, you know, Midwest, um, I guess, humility to an extent. I could just kind of, between the connection and that, just fit really well. So yeah, that's the connection with Jimmy Stewart and one of my favorite actors of all time. So really excited to have that honor with him too. I love that you all do that. It's such a good sort of hallmark of the festival and such a great thing to be associated with. And another thing you sort of became known for last year I think every other festival kind of bowed down to you guys for doing this was the drive through red carpet. <laughs> yeah. Genius. Yeah. I'll give credit to our, our marketing and operations team too, but yeah, we had, so when people, you know, they didn't want to get out of their cars, we actually had, I mean, huge, almost red kind of like drivable floor tile that cars could drive up on. <laughs> and we had extra long step and repeat banners. Um, so you could come in your car and uh, drive up and get your picture taken. Um, however comfortable you are <laughs> do that too. So yeah, that, that was really cool to do that uh, last year too. You know, we talked about the big 14 studio films and there are obviously countless other films, but you're also great advocates for local filmmakers, for first time filmmakers, yeah. for female filmmakers, you have 50, 50 parody, which is something that a lot of people are promising to do at some point off in the future. You're doing it now, which is awesome. What what are you doing to sort of actually let me let me rephrase that. What advice do you have for people submitting to the festival who are trying to break in? Are there things that the festival really likes or really doesn't like? Yeah, I would say I think story is always paramount, having a technically sound film. But yeah, we as an international film festival, we play titles from all over the world. But yeah, I would say, you know, there's not a magic recipe um, when it comes down to it, but essentially we want to elevate, I guess, voices of all types. And mm-hmm. I think that's we revise our mission statement as well too. We just want impactful stories um, from diverse perspectives this is what it comes down to. So I would say, you know, have, have just, your film has to stand by itself, but just kind of going from there too. Um, you know, there's, especially when it comes to the parody pledge and I've heard a lot of naysayers like, well, if it's a good film, it's a good film. And that's, you know, that's fine. But it, there's a whole, I guess, 
programmers stew, if you will, <laughs> you know, you're making the soup, you're making the lineup and stuff too. Um, and it kind of, it's not the prevailing thing that is the ultimate uh, deciding factor, but it's definitely one of the many pieces of criteria that we want to look at. And I don't think it's, un, you know, unheard of for a festival. If you're putting the final touches on your program and you realize there are holes in certain areas, yeah. is that, does that come down to gender representation? Does it come down to, oh, we don't have any films from this part of Europe, from um, this part of Africa, from anything like that too. Yeah. So no, I think, um, yeah, I would just say, just submit um, your film to us. I don't think, I personally don't have any reservations about people reaching out to me personally via email. <laughs> I think I wrote on Film Freeway about that too. I think incredible. I, I get more surprised. And I'll say this too, not on behalf of every programmer, some programmers don't like to get emailed period. But if I get an email from somebody and it's like, hey, I've already submitted my film and you're essentially putting your cover letter yeah. and stuff like that, that's a surprise to me. I get I get kind of excited about that. It shows you've done your homework a little bit as well too, um, as opposed to just doing a, a waiver request. You know, everybody has a waiver policy and that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Um, no, but I think, again, I look for those cinematic moments. What is there something that makes me get swept away in your film? Um, is it a new perspective? Is it, is it a topic that's been done a lot, but with a, like a different twist on it? I know I'm talking about like an M. Night Shyamalan twist. I don't need something totally crazy at the end. I just need something different. What sets it apart that makes it festival worthy in your mind? Yeah. Um, so there's kind of, those are the big things going into it. Uh, premiere does not necessarily matter to us. We have cash prizes for U.S. and world premieres, but that is not the dominating um, piece of criteria that we need. So I think that's really neat. We continue to grow at Heartland and we offer cash prizes, but that's not a driving factor, um, which I'm still proud of right now, too. And we, you know, we'll definitely elevate your film, but it doesn't have to uh, be a mandated premiere, if you will. That was a lot of... Uh, just kind of roundabout info. So if you need me to tie anything up there. <laughs> I don't think it needs, I think people who are serious about submitting are going to want as much information as they can possibly get. Oh, I'm not going to make it too easy by asking you to give your email out right now. But as you mentioned, if people go on film freeway, they can find your email and they can contact you directly. And I think the people who go that extra yard deserve, you know, the, the whatever added bump they might get out of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you go to uh, our website is heartlandfilm.org, we have our staff listings and other stuff too. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a fallacy. I think of the festival world is the being you know unapproachable, and yeah. even early on as a programmer, you know, you look up to other festivals and you're like, oh, I, I'm never gonna talk to that programmer. I'm never gonna be, and it's not a circle necessarily. It's just, I, I would say it's the the walls. I think that people put up in their own head about the film festival industry and stuff too, were really easy to crush. It was very internal in my mind and my experience too. So I like being friends with people like Jason Anderson with, with Tiff and Aspen, he's been a jury member with us too. It's a really small world, you know, and I think, I know we've talked and I know some, some of our flavors of our festivals are different from other ones. I think you're going to see films that just because they're phenomenal or amazing and maybe they get a leg up playing a major fest, will play more fests. Yeah. But it's always interesting and fun to get films that come in naturally through our process as well, too, that just come in and blow us away. And we end up having an inadvertent premiere or be one of the first fests and stuff, too. But yeah, with, with that being said, it's don't, you know, it, I've learned in my career, if you don't ask for something or you don't reach out, mm -hmm. it, 
it's not just going to happen by its own for the most part. I think it, it comes down to networking a lot. Um, it's not to say too, you know, I think one of my, the worst things for me as a programmer is rejecting films. And again, with a small percentage of films getting in, yeah. um, it's tough. And I, I hate that day as well too. And we have to disappoint alumni. There's no, there's no magic fast pass or golden ticket to getting your film programmed. Yeah. And we, every year I break, I break hearts of people I don't know and people I do know, and it's tough, but I think, you know, um, the thing I've learned, you just have to look long-term as well down the road. You know, if you're a filmmaker, your next project, um, don't be, don't be sour. Still try to attend festivals, even if you don't get in, because we've been very successful. But like you said, we, we have a spotlight in Indiana films. Indiana is one of what, 18 states with no tax incentives, um, which is tough. We're trying to change that, but we do have this network of filmmakers that come in and we've had filmmakers that have been um, in local competitions that have met up at our festival um, and have made films that have gone on to premiere like at Tribeca and other festivals. So it's, it's the magic synergy. I would say just be open to different experiences, whether that's emailing a programmer, um, even if it's scarier and attending a festival or something too. Um, a lot of my career has been, um, benefiting from the unexpected <laughs> and I think that's been good too and, and if you told me five ten years ago that we'd have the lineup and reputation that we have now I probably wouldn't have believed you so it's it's pretty pretty great to look back it, it is astonishingly great I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything else but this year especially is just magnificent and I want to make a plug for your Twitter feed um, can you give your give your at at least yeah, for Heartland Film, it's just at Heartland Film, and I'm at G Sorvig for so first initial last name, G S O R V I G. Yeah, because something I, I tell filmmakers a lot is you know go on Twitter and follow programmers, like interact with them, um, retweet their stuff, just so they know that you're that you exist and that you care and that you know who they are, um, and that you're not sending out you know a form letter to fifty different festivals. I think it does help when people have some awareness of you and. It goes to you're being willing to be emailed. I talked to um, Sandra Lipsky at at Evolution Mallorca recently. Mm -hmm. Say that again. I talked to Sandra Lipsky at Evolution Mallorca recently, and she will and her programmers will often go on and Google people and try to learn about the filmmakers. Um, who is this person? Like, where are they coming from when they tell this story? And so it really does go both ways, and it is more personal in the internet age than you think it is. It's not like a faceless. A faceless you know panel um who don't care anything about you they really are they want your personal story and the more the more humanity you can put into your submission the better yeah i, I think authenticity is key too i didn't mention that but that is you can sometimes usually you can watch a film in the first few minutes and you can tell is this authentic is this coming from a, a good place it's not just the technical um elements of the film too but does it just land right? Does it feel right? And those are kind of almost intangibles to a different extent. And that's based on your own personal experience too. But yeah, authorship is huge right now too. So that's the other thing too. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, I, there's another, uh, I was on a panel with another a programmer from a prominent shorts fest. And they're like, I will harass and, and um, look up people's information to see if they're, if they're good eggs, essentially. Like, are they going to promote the film? Are they, people that, you know, we want to be around um, at the festival and that kind of stuff too. So it's different for everybody, but I think that that helps a lot too, especially if it's a film of a difficult subject matter or especially now with a lot of topics, 
authorship is key. And where did this perspective come from? Yeah. Or what was the relevance to you wanting to make this film? Like, I think it's, that's super important. But yeah, I do that a lot too. I love, I love, um, I guess, putting a magnifying glass on people's passion and enthusiasm. And I think that's really what I do as a programmer. You know, I get all these congratulations about the program. I didn't make the movies. I think I'm glad I could, you know, can put them together um, and, you know, and be involved with some of these people. But um, yeah, I think ultimately people want them to be seen, want them to be fully understood and curated in a respectful way. And I think that's what I've um, been able to do successfully. And that's how we've been growing in reputation. The last thing I'll ask, and this might be a really long answer. I don't know how you want to handle it. Um, how do you feel in general about the state of seeing movies in theaters right now? Obviously, we've heard all these naysayers for the last year saying that the theatrical experience could end really soon. But I feel like festivals are doing a really good job of keeping it going and catering to people who really love seeing a movie in a theater with other people. Your background, people can't see it but your background is one of your local theaters and it just makes me want to be in a theater right now talking to you. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, safety is the top concern now. Um, and I think not that, you know, as Americans, we're wishing away the pandemic, but we are being safe. And I think people have determined their comfort level. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we are requiring masks in all the venues as well. Same when I went to Telluride as well. Um, so there's the comfort doing that too. But then there's just the extra things you have to decide on like, oh, am I going to eat popcorn? Am I going to go the full experience, if you will, too? But I think that was the biggest concern for us is are people going to be comfortable buying tickets? And I think um, it depends on your region where you are. I think so, I know some programmers that their community, they're not ready to go back to the theater um, and they're doing primarily virtual. But I think we've seen, um, again, by doing our shorts festival back in July, opening up tickets uh, for, for these films. I think if you, if you have a great product, people want to go see it. So I think it's, it's, it's a very delicate topic. Like you said, and I, I'm going to go in a couple of different directions here too, but I'm excited to be back in theaters. I think when I went back to theaters, I saw um, Street Gang, the Sesame Street film. <laughs> I was the only person in the theater and it was almost just like, going back to movie church, if you will. It was just this transcendent experience that, hey, I'm here dedicated on a film. Because I think fundamentally, I mean, you are, you're dedicating yourself. It's hard, I'd say, period. Like being a dad, being during the pandemic, being an adult with a cell phone, it's hard to dedicate yourself to anything 100%. And I yeah. think, I don't want to sound like the old man, like, you know, back in my day, you know, we didn't have cell phones or whatever too, but I mean, you, there's no other peer experience, I think, mm -hmm. um, because at a concert, everyone has their phones up and not living in the moment and stuff too, but you're at a movie, you're dedicated, you're watching the screen, you're connecting with other strangers in the room. And even with having masks on like at Telluride and other festivals too, you still, you catch glances with people and you're having this shared experience. It's, it's, it's a special experience. I don't think it's ever going to go away. Um, I think in terms of the future, I think art house cinemas are going to be poised to be in a great position as well, too, because, you know, if um, the big chains are just playing a lot of the big content, I think, if anything, this is going to show that there is demand in the space for um, great content that's just not in the mainstream. I think people are going to get back together and is going to be in that, in that social fashion. So I'm excited to be back sharing these films with people. Um, Again, it comes down to comfort level, and that's why we're offering virtual again. That's a whole other topic of how virtual is going to stay in the mix down the road, but <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> hopefully that meandering answer helped a little bit, but I, again, it's, it's hopeful um, optimism that we're going to be back together. Uh, the demand is there. I feel like um, I'm safe. I'm going back and I'm excited. I'm so with you on movie church. I don't know if you saw that story in the New York times about how there's a movie at film forum, La Piscine or Le Piscine, a French film from 1969 that's been running for weeks and weeks because people just want to see it in a theater and it's just a great cinematic experience. They could get it at home, <laughs> but people keep going to this theater to watch it, which I think is just the coolest. Yeah, and I, you know, again, seeing some screeners of big films and then seeing it on the big screen, it's, again, that's the thing I missed too. I mean, I, I missed going to festivals. So I think I have, you know, went to, went to Telluride and I was very excited about that to get that experience again of seeing a film because again, you can have tunnel vision. And again, what day is it? I don't know. I'm watching these screeners on my, my yeah. laptop. It's a totally different experience um, in person for sure. But yeah, glad to be going back to church, if you will. <laughs> um, anything I should have asked that I didn't ask? Anything you want to address that we didn't touch on? Um, I'll edit it back in if you... No, I, you know, I don't think so. Really. I think we, we covered a lot. Um, but yeah, That's if there's a great, I, I, I kind of went on a weird tangents or any, anything. Just let me know if I need to tighten anything up. No, you know what? I try to kind of take people on weird tangents sometimes because I think it just, it's more, it's a real conversation as opposed to like, you know, let me ask this. And then it, it, it's better if it's not scripted. It's better if we talk about weird things along the way. Like I love the part about you working at, at Disney world. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's super cool. It just gives more of an insight into who you are. Yeah. No, I guess the thing I didn't talk about very much is that one, we didn't know if audiences would be ready to come back. We did surveys. People were excited to come back. But the other thing too is just filmmakers in general. I mean, it's hard to have a film festival and not have filmmakers um, be in attendance. And I know our budgets, like a lot of other film festivals, were, were cut early on. Um, we plan months in advance, but we're really excited that we, you know, filmmakers are hungry to connect with audiences, meet programmers as well. So we have, we are welcoming filmmakers back. And I think that that was kind of the, the biggest thing. Will people come back? Will filmmakers come back? And it sounds like we're going to have a good year in that regard. So we're very thankful to, to all the filmmakers allowing us to play their films this year too. The fact that we can actually play everything in person. Um, and hopefully still host filmmakers if they're in a good spot to come and visit, I guess. That was Greg Sorvig, Artistic Director of the Heartland International Film Festival. Thank you so much for joining us, Greg, for setting me straight about Jimmy Stewart, about time zones, and just making me feel great about the state of movies this year, uh, especially if you're living anywhere near Indianapolis. You have an incredible opportunity to see some fantastic films in the next few weeks, and that is a very cool thing. The rest of us will have to wait a little bit longer but it sounds like there's a lot worth waiting for. As we mentioned, the Heartland International Film Festival kicks off this Thursday, October 7th, and you can learn more at heartlandfilm.org. Thanks very much for listening. See you back here real soon.